0: Welcome back, everyone, to Pence Pod. It's Mr. Watson for this part two of my interview with the wonderful Lily Tang Williams. So, um, Lily, we left off talking about your experience in American politics, particularly at the state capitol uh, that you went to when you came to America. So just please start off from there and, and go as long as you'd like.
1: Yeah, um, well, good to see you again, and Christine. That the, We left uh, last time. I was talking about when I got laid off by a corporate America, I had a time to get involved with politics. I volunteered to go to State Capitol in Colorado and Denver uh, to be an intern uh with a Republican um, I think a budget committee chair. So I learned a lot, but the first day experience was very shocking. I went there I did not expect inside the state capitol would be like a zoo, <laughs> lots of people, lots of people. And I did not figure out who is who. Then later I, I was asking who are those people? Now I learned this new word called a special interest, lobbyist, arranged thinkers. Like a, I come home look kind of depressed. My husband said, what's wrong? Did you have a good day? I said that uh, there were no people representing us, a middle-class working family and taxpayers. That was my first day experience at the state capitol. <laughs> yeah, so, but I learned a lot and uh, I, I enjoyed going to the hearings and that's where I learned to how to, you know, even later speak in two or three minutes, right? You see those people when they testify you only get a two or three minutes. You have to fire your points. And, mm-hmm. and uh, um, then after that, I think I, I mentioned that. And then I got into HOA and uh, start to learn what is the bottom level of grassroots self-governance, how that works. And uh, then later, I got into charter school. I when I got laid off I put my kids out of public school put them into charter school that's where I learned Oh, as parents, you can be actually more involved in your children's education exercise their parental control. And the parental rights by getting involved in a charter school, so I, I did uh, um, become the board member, I had to run and later I was a, a chair. Uh, I think the principal did not do a good job, so I had to call her and um, to fire a principal I was kind of a uh, um, very empowering feeling because uh, when I call her to say sorry yeah, we're not going to renew your contract and she's will fire me. <laughs> I said, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I said, the board decided we're not gonna renew your contract. So all those experiences really gave me a good feeling about being an American citizen. I can testify, I can oppose support bill, I can get involved in your grassroots community at the bottom. And uh, that was a great experience. You learn English, you learn how to also make friends and and, uh, persuade people with your argument and with the facts and data. That was great.
0: Well, yeah, and you learned very quickly a truth that eludes most Americans, the fact that there's a lot of trash over at the state capitals. There's a lot of nonsense over at the state capitals. You learn that very, very quickly. And I wish most Americans who have access to their state capitals at any time of the day during the session would just go there and see that for themselves. But a lot of people delude themselves, in my opinion, to thinking that, oh, you know, my, my guy's in office. My guy promised me this and he's doing it. But in all reality, your guys serving special interests. <laughs> um, yeah, but well, um, you're right. Yeah.
1: You're right. Though people have to get more involved. You you have to hold them accountable. Some I learned the politicians will make promises uh, when they are dealing with uh, their voters, but they don't necessarily keep their promise. They don't necessarily explain to you why they voted for some bills in a certain way. Right. So, so I, I always tell people do not forget they work for us. So you need to make that individual voters co- uh, impact. Some people feel like oh maybe I just don't you know I don't make difference. You do. Each voter, each taxpayer can make difference if you just become politically informed and politically involved. Nowadays, now you can go to Zoom meeting, send a a, a note to ask them support a post bill in one minute in your home, on computer, you know, on Zoom, even yep. testify on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, when you got involved in American politics, you know, um, you know, what was the feeling like, you know, other than feeling, other than knowing the fact that, hey, you're not in China anymore, you have a voice, what was the feeling like? And, and what was the biggest lesson that you learned uh, from your involvement in, in, in American politics?
1: Well, I actually learned that uh, um, that uh, I think it started even like early 2000s when I first got involved, and and especially later, um, I feel like the some of the terms, the change of language, the they use, especially from a special interest lobbyist and from mm-hmm. the left, I feel like uh, some of the words they're using are start sounds familiar, you know, and. Uh, I feel the impression is that lots of people just really rely on government—a bigger and more powerful, a more helpful government—but also more taxes. And uh, since no people really represented the working middle class, so we did not really have much say in where money is going, spent on what, and uh, so. So I start to really wake up 2008 when Bush administration, you know, used taxpayers money bail out the banks and also after September 11 remember he passed the the um, Patriot Act yep. and uh, also the. Um, no child left to be, uh, be, uh, behind, more centralized education. I think during his, uh, even I voted for him as Republican when I first time in 2000, but but I become more and more worries. Like uh, why, why is government getting so big and have more and more power over citizens? Um, I, so I start to really get uh, um, kind of alarmed by what's going on. I got more upset. The more I know about politics, the more worried I become to say this direction is not good. The governments get bigger and bigger. So the year I become more like a, like a Libertarian and thinking independently, it was 2008. They, I feel like the Republican Party actually abandoned me, abandoned this more limited government principle. So I got involved with the Libertarian Party and started to go to their meetings or smaller numbers, but there were lots of freedom, and loving people, and that's when I got involved with them. And they then told me to say, you know, we need you testify 2013 to against the gun control, and uh, that was first time actually I ever went to testify in a public setting. It was long line in state capital. People were upset about. And Democrats wanted to limit magazines for our AR15s. I was very scared, so I lined up in Long line, and uh, so finally, I discovered if I'm going to just wait there passively, I would never have my voice to be heard, because uh, you know, people there sometimes stay like past midnight. So I was using my Chinese survivor, like the communist, uh, you know, country straight smart things to say. I need to get in earlier. How do I do that? So I went to talk to a a, a, a like a group leader of the Rocky Mountain Governor Association. Said, "Can I go in with you?" Because he was called as the expert witness to testify, so he did not have to wait in line. So I went in with him, and first time got my. You know, voice to be heard. But they voted the party line anyway. And that's the first year I also published my article um, on National Review online say the, you know, guns against tyranny. I started to tell my stories, oppose, absolutely oppose gun control. And of course, uh, you know, Colorado uh, is, it, it, uh, you know, moving more and more left. And uh, that was a good lesson for me. Then 2014, I started to run for. State House in Colorado. Uh, in 2016, I ran for U.S. Senate. Uh, I knew I was a Libertarian Party candidate. I could not win, but I just wanted to tell my stories to wake up Americans. Don't go down that path. You know, bigger and more government, and more socialist countries, bad for us. I don't want to leave that again. And uh, so, but it seems like, uh, look at where we are today. And uh, after 2016, um, my race is over. I came to New Hampshire and wanted to check out my other options in the future uh, where I would like to live. Because to me, freedom, you know, that's where the home is. So the more freedom a state has, the more draw to me. You know, I don't care about, you know, which state. I mean, if Colorado is totally blue, I will leave. So that's why I decided I would move to new Hampshire um when we did move two thousand nineteen
0: Wonderful, wonderful, And so Colorado became a little bit too authoritarian for you, so you moved over to New Hampshire. Is that right?
1: you're right, Colorado, and look at today even worse, and so I'm glad actually I'm glad i I left. I also love new hampshire if if you have never been here, come here, visit. It's beautiful. Everybody's got lots of land space uh, hiding in the woods and you love the free, uh, like live free or die motto and uh, extremely friendly gun laws where you can, you can conceal carry without permit. You can open carry. So we have constitutional carry and uh, the people here, lots of natives are very, very free spirited. So I feel like those are my kind of people. Plus, I love big tall trees. And <laughs> then you know, they have a white mountain. They have rivers, lakes, where I can maybe try to learn how to fish, go fishing, you know. And the people are super nice. People say, Lily, why do you want to go, uh, go to a state with 97% white? <laughs> not many Chinese there. I say, well, I'm not a member of identity politics. Why yeah. do I have to go where lots of Chinese are? Exactly. I want to go where it has more freedom. I truly trust American people were always uh, open, uh, openly warm and welcoming to me in Colorado. I mean, I really mean, there's mostly white too. But I did not really experience the uh, discrimination except the one road age. You know, somebody called me a bad name and I stood up for myself and then she was gone. So it's like, uh, I'm, maybe I'm just not too sensitive. Or, you know, I, I don't play victim, I just stand up for myself. So, so far, I feel like New Hampshire people are extremely warm, just like the Texas people when I was in the South. And uh, they cannot judge me based on my skin color, my, my Chinese face, my accent. And, uh, you know, I make friends, you know, from all over the world here.
0: I have always said that if a libertarian-minded politician were to arise in any state, they would New Hampshire would be fertile ground for them to arise. And... Maybe that'll be you one day, Lily. (laughs) uh,
1: Well, well, I hope so. Of course, that's the voter's decision. Um, I just enjoy connecting with people to share my stories. I'm so worried about America today, Uh, especially our young kids, even include their um, parents, like people who are maybe 30s and 40s. And and, uh, they Mm -hmm. just rely on government too much. And... uh, Even that's where I walked away from. I walked away from a a total totalitarian country, a communist party um, controlling China today, 100% in everything. And why do people in this country want the government to be their saviors? I thought Americans supposed to rely on themselves, help each other in your communities, in your families, and the hard work, and the self-responsibility, self-ownership, that should be in the blood of Americans. Right. And uh, I, I was kind of really disappointed, of course, during the COVID lockdowns. I just could not believe that the people were just conform, comply, and they shut down small businesses, they shut down schools, they shut down churches, they shut down almost just like our normal human being lives. I understand for two weeks, flattening the curve, but now it's like one year or longer. Exactly. And you see, so many people just keep their head down and complied and complied. I was exactly. really worried. I said, I don't recognize America I had in mind when I choose to come here. So I decided maybe some people are silenced, afraid. I said, I'm going to go out even more louder, more often than before to tell my stories. You know, we don't want to go down that path. We don't want to have China's style lockdown. We don't want to have China's that kind of hardcore, uh, you know, one party dictatorship to tell you how to live your life. We are human beings. We have our dignity. We need to treat it with respect. We demand our politicians respect us, you know, respect our dignity and respect our businesses and respect our. Um, spirit and personal choices, instead of just push down everything on us. I'm, I'm so worried and so tired of it.
0: Absolutely. And, and you have a right to be, and so am I. And I think with voices like yours, we will be able to beat back that malevolent tide from taking over uh, America. Now, unlike a lot of career politicians, however, you know, you yourself... Um, have had a position and do have a job outside of the political sphere. So why don't you walk me through how the free market kind of helps you start your career and how that has shaped your perspective today?
1: Well, I always dream to be self-employed, be a, you know, like an a entrepreneur. Um, so I will have my financial freedom. When I got laid off in year um, 2000 from telecom bubble, and I decided to start my business. I thought, hey, I'm bilingual, bicultural, I have a Chinese law degree, maybe I can help companies to do international trade. And so I become a like a self-employed consultant. Um, but uh, it was not profitable for first eight years because uh, It's just not enough business in Denver area that time. And uh, so I was kind of depressed, of course, and thank goodness my husband had a good income. We had a mortgage to pay, three kids to raise. And I was constantly thinking about other ideas, how I can make more money and uh, contribute, right, to the family. So 2008, I finally saw the opportunity in real estate market because of the housing bubble and burst it and I took um, basically the first chance I got with this equity line of credit on our primary home the only thing we had was our primary home with my husband's one job and we decided I convinced my husband let me to get into residential business to buy um, like a cheap single family homes and turn them into rental then I learned to use other people's money, basically use bankers money to finance your investment. So you buy one fix up, rent out, then you go back, take the money out and buy another one, kind of like a slow boring, you know? And, uh, and I, of course, before I did that, I read lots of books and, you know, the um, poor dad, rich dad really gave me lots of good ideas years before. But until opportunity came, I said, oh, cash flow, property, cash flow, property. So I learned to apply. It's like a play melop- like the game monopoly, right? It's like a play melopoly in real life. We, our family always play that game, you know, whenever we have holiday it's break. It's a fun
0: game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. And you just have to play that in real life, right? You invest, you buy, you borrow money, you, you get along. And uh, so, so that has proven to be successful business. So my husband is able to retire earlier and you know, so can move to New Hampshire because our investment in uh, residential real estate has been successful. And I just manage our properties now from a home with my husband's help. So I can do speakings, I can uh, involved with uh, uh, political activism. And I'm also, I also have another business to be the uh, expert witness for court an um, expert in Chinese culture, Chinese legal system, all that. So, so I'm leaving American dream after eight years of failure, but you never need a failure to stop you. There's nothing can stop you, it's a free country. You keep failing, keep failing until you find a good market where you can exercise your skills, you, you control, you, you make that happen and you become profitable. And then you have your financial freedom. So, so far, I, I always tell young people, you know, when you're young, you got to focus on to create a job for yourself. So you don't rely on other companies. You don't rely on government. You need to rely on yourself. If I can do it, even without speaking fluent English, I started this country with a hundred bucks. So can you, you were born in this country. What's up you? I, I'm Chinese, I have yellow skin, so what? That's not good excuse. So I think that uh, um, I hope that young people will, you know, feel like uh, you got to carry their responsibility on your own shoulder. There's nobody is going to change your life. It's going to make you successful, enjoying the prosperity you have in this country. It's all on your shoulder. Of course, by having good education helps. So that's back to the issue that uh, hey, so why some people cannot succeed? They're stuck especially our black brothers and sisters stuck in the inner city and uh, that is not, you know, educating our kids with quality. Why can't we let them to have a school choice? Let the parents have a school choice. And you look at those uh, places, lack of school choice is in blue cities and blue states. But then they talk about, they speak for you all the time, Christy. Black Lives Matter, <laughs> of course they matter. <laughs> of course they matter, but because they matter, don't you want them to have a prosperity achieve American yes. dreams instead of getting stuck and you have a single families, very high percentages, then you have a, no father models role models at home. And the, they're on fair checks all the time something's wrong in this picture, I love all Americans, I want them all succeed live American dream, but I don't want to the people on the left to speak for us because they always think, oh, you don't know how to even get a voting ID, Christian. You don't know how to get, go get the vote. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, yeah, I, I saw. So, somebody yeah.
1: else to say that, oh, you're racist. They use racism to block lots of people to right. think out of box to achieve success. You know, I, I don't want them speak for me as agents for sure because I'm fine. I live in this country, live my marriage am fine. But I want other people to have the same opportunity, especially our children, especially your generation, you know.
0: Of course. No, yeah. And I think that the people who try to pretend to help us with problems that may or may not exist or may or may have very complex co- um uh, origin to them, those are the same people who are actually hurting us the most. The people who are trying to convince black folks or Asian folks to stop Asian hate campaign now, that apparently Asians are hunted in America and they are uh, <laughs> uh, these are the same people who are hurting us because they are enshrining us with a mentality of beggary and defeatism that does not give us to our true potential, you know? And so, you know, leading off this topic, what is your opinion of the stop Asian hates idea? Do you, do you feel as as an Asian American woman that there is this insufferable climate of hate against you in the country, or is this just a marketing campaign?
1: (laughs) It's a, Um, i i think I did some research after all this came out, and if you look at the data from the uh, actually Department of Justice two thousand and eighteen okay they the the crimes committed by other minorities are higher than the white people but but the, during this kind of movement, we're supposed to only mention when the white people. Are the criminals, which is not true, and the vice versa. Aging committed crimes. The rate is very low. That's what I'm saying. The highest, uh, um, you know, number one groups committed crimes against the agents with the violence are the people of color. Why? We need to have a conversation about that. Why, right? And uh, because this country will be, I believe all men are pretty equal, but when you have a data of facts like that, we should have a Rational conversation about that instead of to say aging hate aging hate, white supremacy white supremacy. It's like a, you're not even based on data. Maybe there are actual, right. you know, actual um, incidents. Because of COVID, somebody will spit on you, and uh, single agents or like uh, maybe spreaders or something. But they say so. I think that there are lots of other factors involved. For example, if we talk about critical race theory, white supremacy, American systemic country, those kind of rhetorics by media, I think that generate lots of division in our country and envy and hatred. So, for example. You know, in Washington school district, they categorize aging now as white because the aging average household income is higher than the white. That's why we got discriminated by Ivy League schools, Yale, Harvard, and they have quotas. So our kids who sca- you know who score the highest in standardized testings were told they have personality issues and they shouldn't have too many people in the universities. You know, too many agents. So don't you think that's discrimination against agents? But they don't call that, they don't call that out. And even Yale, you know, DOJ's case against Yale is dropped after Biden become president. And lots of parents uh, alliances are not happy with that. We want to ask them to take a concrete actions to actually level the playing field we feel like we were discriminated but you are on the side to say stop aging hate why can you say stop aging discrimination by our universities right, right? right. you know it, it just so i think people should not be used as a talking point as a useful idiot doesn't matter which skin color you have because we all are american citizens that kind of rhetoric it's just create hatred and division and envy. And of course, when people feel like that way, there's more violence against the agents and right. the California law do not help. If you let's say their law is like if you rob somebody under $950, you cannot call cops. They don't come to, you know, charge this guy with a felony and so more and more. And crimes like that happen, you have Chinese lady got robbed right out of the bank, so they were targeted, because they have cash in their pocket. So there are lots of issues I wish we would just like you and me sit down talk like this, let's work out solutions help each other out instead of this. uh, So sad for me to say Americans are so divided because you know I I mentioned to you under Mao that's what they're good at it's Marxist communist tactic and divide. And conquer. And it's typical Marxist theory. When you talk about critical race theory, it's basically separate America into two giant groups: oppressors and oppressed. And who are oppressors? White male, you know, whatever the groups they put in there, right? Or, or your Christian conservatives, and then oppressed people of color, poor, women, It's 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 identity politics. And uh, Mao used that to conquer everybody, making him a, a god, have more power. The party has absolute power, you know, to control the whole um, economy, everyday people's lives, all the press, all the propaganda machines, all the schools, and and uh, guess what? People who supported them, you know, who are so-called oppressed groups, supposed to get uh, oh land, free health care it never came all the pri- all the promises were empty instead we were starving instead 20 million people died during the divisive bloody 10 years cultural revolution and uh, i sometimes would tell reporters like well, like hey you got to have some conscience report the truth because if you just use a political talking point divide our people in america when the real Marxists take over their country, they will come after you too. Like in China today, you have to get license to practice journalism. To, there's no free press. Do we want that in this country? Do our journalists want that happen to them? So I just don't know if they really learn history or not. You know, uh, when I talk about Marxists, people say we're not Marxists. We 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 are anti-racist. You know, whatever name you use. But the, when you talk about the magic term, right? Oh, America is a systemic racist country. We need to have equity. We all need to have equitable outcomes. What does that tell you? Let's the Marxist term. It's about wealth redistribution. It's about we all get to the same place with the same outcomes. There's no same outcomes unless you all want to be equally poor and starve. And enslaved—that's what it is. You're not one percent. You and I will never be top one percent. <laughs> so we are just regular people. Want to live our regular lives and, and pursue self-interest and happiness. But the, but the, when you divide the country like that. And you know how wild control now is like our cancel culture, our work class, they all act like they know their best and, and they cancel everybody. And but I see lots of people are silenced, including classic liberals who might be Democrats on the left side, they need to speak up now. Otherwise, you might be too late, they will come after. All of us include them. So it is time for people to speak up to really protect our you know, free speech and freedom of thought.
0: I entirely agree with you. And I think that this sort of Perverse culture revolution that's happening in the United States votes very bad things for the foundational principles of this country. Um, But I do think that there are enough of us who realize that a lot of the pleasantries that the woke class and their academics and their intelligentsia try passing down to us the idea that I need to be saved by a government, the idea that you need to be saved by a government, the idea that we need diversity people to save us, all this stuff which removes which tries to handicap my free will and removes me from the equation of things that intimately involve my own life, all of those things are against the American spirit. They are against the principles that this country was founded upon. They are against the labor and the creativity this country was founded upon. And we recognize that, and that's why I think that this is not this is not going to succeed in the long run. It looks scary right now. It looks menacing, but I do believe it'll fall. And before we move from this topic, just real quick, you know, I, I have this idea that cancel culture exists everywhere and has been around for decades upon decades, even centuries. What was most similar to cancel culture, to current American cancel culture under Maoist China and currently under Xi Jinping's China? What resembles cancel culture uh, over there in, those, in that country?
1: I think um, it's identity politics. So Mao were in were get people into two big groups. So you, five black classes people will belong to the of course oppressors group. Then five red classes like my family working poor workers class will go to the oppressed group like workers. And, and when you separate people like that, so it's constantly chaos. And uh, hatred, envy, and guilt, and uh, the cancel culture also reminded me the process of some of those routines and rituals people go through. Uh, it's called, uh, you know, like struggle sessions. So, so for example, if you're yeah. white, you're doomed to be racist, um, or you are so-called black classes under Mao, you go to self-criticism class, um, struggle sessions. So you were. Criticize yourself. You will apologize for being black, and and uh, of course you apologize for being white and racist. Even though you might not be racist or black class, but then your families were, your grandparents were, and uh, even though you are white today, you 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 you, you don't you are not racist, but you got to think about the slavery history. So you were apologize for something you never did. Your ancestors did. That's insane, that's like a, not fair, is it? And, uh, and plus, they use this opportunity to form public opinion to against basically the certain ideologies, a certain kind of people. So they want everybody be with them, be woke. And they're loud, they're mob-like, and they make you lose your jobs. They make you apologize, self-criticize, and going through all those uh, you know struggle sessions. And uh, when they teach this to our kids, I just cannot, cannot, you know, forget, oh, red cards are saying again, and those are kids are totally indoctrinated in schools to say, long never tell my mom. Here we will say, you know anti-racist, I'm an active anti-racist. And uh, then you call out everybody who is not with you. It, it, it's just so sad, it's so yes. similar. I, I just don't believe people were buying to that. I do agree there are individual cases of discriminations and racism, but we need to address those by having conversations. But if all they do, like Red Guards do, they just shut you down. They just denounce you, public and shame you, and make make you write the self-criticism. If you don't comply you go to you know so-called now educational, re-educational camps. Well that's how you destroy the society, the fabrics of civil society. It's free speech. And and it's everybody is united, living in peace, coexisting in peace. So people might not know, oh, is that a Marxist term when you say equity, racial equity? People might not know. I need to point out it is. It is a Marxist term. It is a Marxist strategy to divide the people into those groups. Then later, and then the politics fighting each other. Then who do you think is going to benefit for that kind of right? It's the party. It's the leaders who control the party. It will become 1984 society. Very, very scary to think about that.
0: Absolutely. And again, just seeing the similarities between this and what happened in a lot of these revolutions is just very scary. I know that some people will be thinking, well, how can you compare them? They're they're very different situations. And guess what? I'm sure the people before the Malice revolution, I'm sure the people before Hitler rose in Germany, I'm sure all of them thought, hey, this is this nothing bad can happen to us. Um, This is a different situation because there have been instances of tyranny throughout history. But the problem is, When you blind yourself to the possibility of evil things happening uh, because of the evil ideas that precipitate them, then you are really laboring in ignorance. Evil things happen because there are evil ideas behind them. And I generally believe a lot of the ideas that may seem benevolent, innocuous, like racial equity and social justice, beneath them um, are some really evil assumptions and conclusions about human beings and about um, how we should structure society. And I'm happy that... We recognize that, and we're trying to come against that. Um,
1: can I can I add one yes. more thing? Oh, please, please, the please. The similarities. I saw is last summer. Um, of course, all the um, you know protests and demonstrations break out in the street. When I saw people start to attack American culture in the name of anti-racism, mm-hmm. anti you know uh, white supremacy, they were toppling down statues and they were burning stuff. Then they were looting to justify. We can loot because we're oppressed, and we can go even hurt people and uh, steal from their shops because uh, you know we got paid, you know, by some kind of reparation for their past uh, history. That is a cultural revolution. Just what happened under Mao. They're saying, is, oh, people don't know their history, they don't recognize it. See the foundation for that is wrong. It's the foundation of all this is America is a systemic racist country. Well they, how does it explain to us are immigrants who flee totalitarian countries come here, work hard, achieve American dream? A systemic racist country were not allowed to do that, allow us. They have to explain we had a black president for eight years. Now we have a, a vice president is half black, half aging. They should come out actually to thank American for the country who, you know, made them to achieve their dreams. I just cannot believe people who are on the top, even though they have people of color just successful i'm happy for them and they achieve. uh, Maybe their um, success and through some kind of uh, education hard work, maybe intelligence, whatever that is, I respect that. But how could those people come out want to tell us to hate America America is a racist country and uh, we need to bring that down replace with what. You want to defeat capitalism? That's what Mao told us, and then we're starving to death. And you want to us replace American culture, American law, society, American civil institutions with what? With Marxism? With equity, racial equity? I don't. I don't see that bright future for anybody. We'll be equally poor, and the people who actually respect each other, like I saw this video, uh. Like, school is teaching this uh, um, black high school student. What do you see from this picture? I see two friends hang out. Basically, is a, uh, a white girl and black girl. I saw two friends hang out. This look looking again. See, teacher wants him to dig and dig. Teacher wants to install some kind of division, hatred into his head. There's oppressed black girl, and here's a white privileged girl, and she's right. racist. That's just. How, how are you gonna people even hang out, right? I, I mean, people will be more worried, or oh, maybe I should be more quiet and, ser- and you know, separate from each other. That doesn't help the country at all. Cause you, but that's what the communists do. They want you to hate. They do not right. want you to love. Just yeah. remember that. I think we should all promote love.
0: Right, absolutely. I agree with you. And now speaking of all this woke stuff, um, earlier today, um or earlier a few days ago, I think I think earlier today, actually, um, a, a guy named Vivek Ramswamy. I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm probably butchering it. <laughs> but he has written a book called Woke Inc. And he's said something about China that I think is very interesting. Uh, he, met, he was talking about in the, this interview in the context of how um, you can't call the coronavirus the Wuhan virus because apparently that's racist. He said the following sentence. And we have to ask ourselves why. And the answer is crystal clear to me it is that China has mastered the art of using wokeness as a geopolitical tool against the United States. He goes on to say, and if there is any doubt about that, Just look at the comments of Xi Jinping when European leaders pressed him last year on their human rights records. He cites Black Lives Matter as a way of saying the U.S. is no better. Their top diplomat in Alaska last month falsely claiming that Black Americans are being slaughtered, and he hopes um, the U.S. does better on human rights. So while here is really suggesting that Xi Jinping is using wokeness and implanting the seeds of wokeness into American society through his propaganda machine, now we understand China is a very, very malevolent and authoritative, powerful, propagandistic force throughout the world. And I mean, you know that they have, they have ships down in Latin America. They have this Belt and Road Initiative. They're investing a lot in Caribbean countries and signing these sort of loan agreements that, that really the other countries who are much poorer can't really win. They are really involved in Africa. I mean, the Uyghur stuff, there's just so much going on. How do we – how should we understand all of this stuff? How do we make sense of all of the various aspects of Chinese manipulation in the, in the world? And also, do you believe that a lot of woke ideologies are being used by China to destroy or deride America?
1: Well, I know, I know what they're capable of. And uh, I know the party's policy, the strategy in back in 2016 to bring down America, to infiltrate into America um, by actually manipulating the US elections and getting involved with campaigns, train their candidates, and uh, even and invest in some congressional district where the vote difference only ten thousand votes or five thousand. And if they invest there, hire their workers, and they can actually, um, you know, influence the voters' choices. They also have infiltrated into the United States through Confucius Institute, the Chinese government-funded so-called. Uh, they call that cultural an organization to teach language and culture in the United States, all of the Western democracy countries, uh, Chinese language and culture, but actually they're trying to promote China to make China look good, make a party look good. They also give schools, universities money. So follow the money and you can take their money, you have to sign the agreement to say I will comply with the China laws. Chinese government have been very, very smart deliberate to infiltrate into America and Western democracy countries without finding one shot. That's why they can talk you down like that. They know our society fabrics is very weak when it comes to racial tension. So they use that against us and by also infiltrating into our media, our social media whenever I post something about against CCP, I don't get lots of uh, fans, people don't get my post. And whenever I have questions about virus and I got a warning from Facebook, you know, are you sure you want to talk about this? Your post has a COVID, has a vaccine in it. It just, I'm so sick of
0: that. <laughs> oh every, day I,
1: every day I face that. So I was not offended when people uh, were talking about China virus, because the Chinese started in China talk Wuhan virus every day, Wuhan virus before we got shut down. So we were not offended. So why would the Chinese people be offended here just because a president was talking like that and they're still talking about UK variants, Spanish flu, South America, South Africa variants. see people are not offended when they use other country names, it just means the origin of the virus. And the people don't understand that the, the left want to speak for us, even though they don't care how we truly feel. Then they always have some people who bought into their propaganda to go to another side. Let me tell you, the anti-aging rallies, end of March they had, guess who was involved? Chinese consulate in San Francisco, in oh, really? New York. Yes. Wow. yes, I have a Chinese piece of document, Twitter, and, and showing you hey, where to go, you know, and constantly said where to go, what signs to hold. I watch a video, there are lots of Chinese to share information like that, that one guy holding anti-aging hate and with another sign to say, hold the CCP accountable. And he was told to go away, take down that C C P. piece. <laughs> and, uh, and also that, uh, and there's a talk about they are trying to support Andrew Yang to run for New York City as a mayor, you know. So whenever you have a Chinese consulate promote certain candidates, I'm always very suspicious. Why, right, why? And they, then they organize events like this, you don't know if money is behind it or not, but I remember when the Hong Kong people and faced some opposition in overseas countries, like the Hong Kong people who support democracy movement. Now you have other mainland Chinese opposed to that in Australia, in Germany, in England. Those are all organized by the consulate pro-party people, and their propaganda machine called the United Front it's a, Huge, it probably the largest propaganda machine in the world was the Xinhua News Agency. people And, and people need to be worried about it and, and be cautious about it. Don't just buy into rhetorics. Remember, they want to achieve their so called China dream designed by Chairman Xi that China will take over the United States as the number one economic power and political power in the world. And the United States is their probably number one target. And they feel like uh, they have succeeded. And because now we kind of have one party rule now in this country, right? And they're friendly towards CCP. They never call them out. When, when China covered up the coronavirus spread, they let people get out of Wuhan. After they shut down Wuhan, but the 5 million people traveled all over the world, all over the China. They did not hold them accountable, they continue to fund the World Health Organization, which helped China to cover up to say the virus was not from human to human back in January even. So there are lots of things can make dots connect, but our media do not report that they don't even call China covered up they do not ask China to report their true numbers China coronavirus case numbers and death numbers just stopped last summer no reporting. But they, all they targeted was our own president, his administration, instead of calling on China, and what they did to Hong Kong even recently, you know, imposed the national security on Hong Kong. So it's like they really don't have much credibility anymore. I encourage people to look for your own source of truth and the data and the information. They cannot trust mainstream media anymore, because it is infiltrated by lots of uh, um, propaganda and CCP influencers and even money. So be aware.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And so we're winding down here a little bit. But before, you know, before we go, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much, Lily, for, for being here, for having this interview. You are a wonderful voice. And again, I think that your message is very important. But before, before we go, I want to ask, how do we stop it from happening here? How do we stop this from taking over our institutions, taking over the minds of Americans, convincing them of a reality that does not exist, and then having them act as if that reality is true and real? Because we understand that is what happens whenever a dictator rises to power. They, and, and Hannah Arendt, the political theorist, actually mentioned that she called it total domination. She said what happens is that the totalitarian um, and this a single concept and in this concept, they destroy the idea of freedom and merge it under that concept. Hitler did it with like the Aryan race, It, it it happens. Marxist organizations do it with like the class distinctions. How do we stop this from happening here? How does the sort of majority of Americans that wanna beat this kind of stuff, how do they thwart this enemy that is looming on the horizon?
1: Well, the silenced majority got to speak up. I know. Some of you are very afraid, very worried. You got canceled, you lost your job, or you might get fired. And uh, there are lots of things could happen to us. I understand that. But in way, way, well, or other, if you fight smart, you can still voice yourself. You can talk to people privately, and you can educate the young people to know the truth. And I think the young people are the ones who were used kind of like Mao used the Red Guards. They were religiously following this walk and um, culture and think that they know everything and they bought into it and uh, and their life can be, end up being like a Red Guards, very sad and they will regret it. So as a silenced majority, we have to be courageous and I even encourage Democrats and liberals to speak up Um, Because, as I said, this is not a left or right issue, Democrat, Republican issue. This is about our country. I still have hope for America. Well, personally, I have no place to go. China is still one party dictatorship. They're committing cultural genocide and uh, biggest human rights abuser in the country. People have no voting rights, no gun rights, no free speech. I have to fight for all those rights in my new country my refugee in America, we have no place to go Chinese immigrants like me, so I encourage people do what you can locally locally, you can support a bill oppose bill, you can go to local school board meeting to stop them teaching our students and racism. The critical race theory ideology is basically promoting racism, make one group race of kids or hate another group mm-hmm. and the uh, and create more division. And also please as American citizens, let's not demonize each other. You know, I don't demonize people on the other side. And even though they disagree with me, I always trying to be nice and respectful. That's how you can have a a calm conversations and trying to persuade them, because lots of people in the middle just don't know what's going on, they're confused, and they're living in fear, because the media politicians want them to live in fear. fearful people are easily to be controlled and manipulated, and ones of them to totally rely on government as their saviors. We need to rely our families, our neighbors our communities and our churches. And we need to help each other in the time of leads, but not to fight each other. We need to push back on this identity politics. And one person say no, it's not good enough, try ten, a hundred, thousands, millions. That's how you keep your country, our country, as a, a free country. Because let me tell you, if China becomes the number one in the world, would you like to be dominated, controlled by one party in the world? It's called the Communist Party. Right. They are everywhere now, they are using Bell Road Initiative to buy other poor, smaller countries, and then use their second economic power to even get, you know, major league baseball to have a deal with them. So they can come out to accuse Georgia voting ID law is racist. Even though this about 70% of black people in Georgia support voter ID law, you tell me who is divisive, who is put money above the principles and who, you know, is really a dictators in this country. In lots of silence, the majority of people feel like, oh, they're so helpless now. Feel like this is a crazy world, everything's upside down, it's insane. We just had a a coach in New Hampshire because he wanted his uh, students to run track without wear mask. He got uh, fired. Is is that a wear mask to run healthy? You know, you cannot breathe, fresh hair, how do you perform as an athlete? So people are losing common sense and their fire people just disagree with them. It is American cultural revolution right now. So we have to save our country by stand up and push back to say enough is enough. This is our bottom line. We need to get all the people to push back, resist and together.
0: Absolutely, no, uh, you know, the great Ronald Reagan once said in his very legendary speech at Time for Choosing that America is the last stand for freedom. If we lose it here, it's over. He said that in the support of the Great Great Goldwater. And I think those words are even truer than they were back in the 60s when he said that speech, when the USSR was a very clear looming threat. Because guess what? The threat was outside. But now the threat's inside. So... Lily, thank you so much for your time. If you have any last things you'd like to say before we go, I'd appreciate it, but you are wonderful and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And um, You are a young man full of wisdom for your age and uh, I th- actually you gave me hope. I hope for more and more young people um, will start to look into truth and data information on their own Do not rely on their professors their schools and um, you know all they're even employers and uh, people need to wake up, we are in a crisis situation. I'm very worried i'm trying my best to educate people with my personal experience and personal stories, if you want to follow me go to Lily for liberty and uh, I have you too, also Lily Tom Williams. And actually, I shared my interview with uh, on you on my YouTube too. So everybody got to do your part. And, uh, and together, we can still keep this country as a free country, not to run down, not to taking over by the Marxist and communist. So let's do it. Thanks, Christine.
0: No problem at all. And thank you so much for coming on. And everyone else, thank you. And please stay pensive. Bye-bye.